to the service this morning. Amen. We just welcome you. Amen. It's good to see each and every one. Amen. And I'm just so happy to be here. Yes. Amen. This is a time that we should just just cherish with all that we have. Amen. It might not be like this one day, man, where we can gather freely. Let's take advantage of these times that we have. Amen. Let's sing the song together. Worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love. Wash me in your cleansing flow, now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace with all your hearts now, worthy is a man. 
Worthy is the Lamb And you are God alone And from before time began Oh, you were on your throne You are God alone And right now In the good times and bad You are on your throne You are God alone Sing that again Well, you are God alone And from before time began, you were on your throne, you are God alone, and right now, in the good times and bad, oh, you were on your throne, you were God alone from the top. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. Well, you are God alone From before time began You are on your throne You are God alone And right now In the good times and bad Oh, you are on your throne You are God alone You're the only God whose power none can contend. You're the only God whose name and praise will never end. You're the only God who's worthy of everything we can give. You are God, and that's just the way it is. You are God alone from before time began. You are on your throne. You are God alone. Yes, and right now in the good times and bad. Oh, you are on your throne. You are God alone. Listen now. You're unchangeable, you're unshakable, you're unstoppable, that's what you are. You're unchangeable, unshakable, you're unstoppable, that's what you are. Will you are God alone from before time began. Oh, you are on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, in the good times and bad, oh, 
are God alone. You are God alone. And how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God again now. Oh, and how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. Let's sing the verse now. The splendor of a king, oh, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice. All the earth rejoice, and he wraps himself in light. When darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice, and how great is our God! our God and all will see how great oh how great is our God and age to age he stands and time is in his hand and the end, beginning and the end, the bride in Christ are one. Hallelujah! Oh, uniting time has come. Soon we're going home. Soon we're going home. How great is our makes me happy. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, we see how great, how great is our God. Name above all names. Oh, name above all names. My heart will sing how great is our God. Sing it again now. our 
our God, how great, oh, and how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. you praise Him with your hands this morning? What a lovely name. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus. Amen. Let's just sing one more as we change the order of our service. Amen. And we'll just take our special needs to the Lord. Hallelujah. We bring the sacrifice of praise. QG, I think. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer sacrifices of thanksgiving we offer up to you the sacrifice of joy will we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, and we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, and we offer up to you the sacrifices. Of thanksgiving we offer up to you the sacrifice of joy. I would ask Brother Ben Pritchard if he would be ready to take the the needs of the, the saints here before the Lord. He's here today. He could be making his way up to the front. And one remember in special prayer, Brother Keith and Sister Sarah. We're not feeling well today. And if you would keep Sister Laura Harwell in your prayers, amen. She's recovering from recent surgery, doing well. But we just want to hold her up. God would give her a touch in her body, amen. Keep Brother Johnny Reynolds in your prayers. He's certainly recovering, and we just want to <clears throat> pray that God intercedes for him, touch his body, give him complete healing and deliverance. And if you would remember Sister Joanne Ashlong in prayer, she fell the other day and really banged herself up. If you would remember her in prayer, and she certainly needs a touch from the Lord. 
man, keep Brother Joe Paschal in your prayers and all that he's going through. Man, if you'll remember the Drum family um, as a whole, just keep them in your prayers. And Sister Mary Smith, if you'll remember her as well. Amen. Uh, special need, we want to remember Brother Jason DeMar. Um, his mother passed away suddenly with a heart attack. That's it's a very difficult thing to comprehend. And if you would just remember that need in prayer. Um, also, if you remember Sister Ellen Parks in your prayers, she has a respiratory infection and is needing a touch from the Lord. And also we want to remember Brother Jonathan Mayle. Uh, he is working at this time. Amen. Do you have any unspoken prayer requests by the uplifted hands? God knows your needs. I don't see Brother Ben in the building. Brother Ethan, would you come forward in his place to take these needs before the Lord for us? Amen. Let's all pray. Dear Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord. We thanking you for the opportunity to be here in your house, Lord. We just thank you for your grace mercy that you've shown us, Lord, we just ask you to touch every request that's been placed here, Lord, and we just bring it to you in faith that you're able to touch everyone, Lord, and give them a touch that only comes from from you, Lord, and we just ask you to bless the service, be with the preacher this morning, Lord, just give him the anointing, Lord, to say what we need to hear, Lord, for our hearts to be clean and Lord, we just uh, ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Brother Ethan. You can have your seat. Sister Anna Pritchard has a special for us this morning. And if she'll make her way to the front, we'll sing that little song you're playing there, sister, while she's making ready. We fall down and we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Greatness of His mercy and love at the feet of Jesus, and we cry, Holy, 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 and we cry, Holy, 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 we cry. Hurting. 
It seems like you've forsaken. I wonder, is your love for me still real? Though my friends think I am happy, unaffected by this trial, they can't see the pain I'm hiding. Just underneath my smile, Lord, I can't live this way anymore. So today I make my choice. I choose to believe that you are faithful. My heart is in your hands. This mystery.
you for that wonderful special, Sister Anna. Hallelujah. Let's stand this morning, and I would ask our deacons if they would come forward to take up our morning offering. Amen. You feel free to give as unto the Lord as you feel led. Amen. Brother Jeff, if you would lead us in prayer. Amen. Let's sing this little song together as a pastor makes his way. My chains are gone. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy Unending love, amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, Mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious.
such great things in our lives and in our midst, Lord, and we just want to say we thank you for that, Lord, and we love you, and we lift our voices in praise as we should, and Lord, you're the one who deserves all glory and honor and praise, and so in the name of Jesus Christ, I commit the people now today into your hands, and Lord, those that are here and those that are listening, we pray that your mighty presence, Lord, would just move among us in a special way in our personal way lord to touch every heart and teach us and show us the things that we have need of in this very late and last hour lord that we live upon the earth lord we're praying for especially for these needs lord and those that are in recovery and those that are looking for your grace and your help today and i pray dear jesus that you would just take the further part of this service and we lord we just surrender it to you and lord everything that's done today may it be for your glory and honor we pray In the beautiful and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. God bless you. We'll let our musicians take their places. And uh, I just want to say I I, uh, normally don't do that, but the song service just drew me out today, and I wanted to come out and be a part of it. And uh, so I came out and sat in the back there and was thoroughly blessed, so I appreciate that very much uh, today. Appreciate our musicians, song leading, and all the gifts and talents. God's blessed this assembly with. Uh, this afternoon, just a reminder, we have our uh, service at 4 o'clock. Any, we're going to be having lunch over here in the Fellowship Hall. If you'd like to come along and bring your own, uh, certainly welcome to do that. Uh, Brother Levin never got mentioned on the prayer request this morning, but he's not here, not feeling well. And uh, also, uh, Wednesday night, as I mentioned, we're going to have our young people play a uh, bigger part, bigger role in the service. And I'd like to see all of them after this service today. So I just want you to linger for a few minutes. That's all you young people. Uh, So if you're not married, that's you. Um, All the way down to uh, uh, kids who, who don't need their parents to carry them. Okay? So just hold after the service. I want to talk to you just for a minute. Um, I wanted to ask you especially to remember uh, Brother Keith. He's not here today. And uh, it happens to be his birthday. And so we wish Brother Keith a happy birthday today. Him and Sister Sarah not feeling well. Good to have Mitchell back with us uh, today. January 30th is Sister Sabrina's birthday, right? And uh, if she's not here, can we? no, we shouldn't ask how old she is, but... Uh, 
God bless Sister Sabrina. And uh, January 31st is Brian McCall and Catherine Pritchard. Is Catherine here this morning? She's not here this morning. Uh, February 1st is uh, Levin's birthday. February 2nd, Sister Shirley Lingle's birthday. God bless you, Sister Shirley. We appreciate you being here and uh, love you very much. And uh, Brother Troy Hughes. God bless you, Brother Troy. Good to have him here uh, today as well. February 3rd is Sister Macy Stevens' birthday, right? How old are you going to be, Sister? 11 years old. Wonderful. And February 4th is the ward's anniversary. How many years? 56 years. God bless you, Brother Tom, Sister Kim. We appreciate you very much and love you. And let's give them a round of applause uh, this morning. They are very special people to us. And uh, just a reminder about Israel and registration there. And then also, this is a a little bit of a view through the year here and uh, some dates there that uh, some folks were asking about. And uh, this Sunday will be our uh, uh, Christian Family Part 3. And then uh, next weekend, so it'll be Saturday evening at 6, and then two services on Sunday, 11 and 4. And we'll have Crook and Take. Uh, I think that's a great combination of names. And uh, it's almost like a real uh, good restaurant or something, you know. We're going to go to Crook and Take. And uh, so that'll be next uh, weekend. And then if you have not signed up for the uh, couple's uh, banquet, marriage banquet, please do so, uh, so we can uh, arrange things for our caterers. And we have a lot of people from the outside who are coming in as normal. And uh, we are um, just in the, in the process of planning. I'm pleased to announce that on April uh, 9th, we'll have our Easter meeting starting. And uh, all the way from Belgium, Brother David Iberson is going to be coming to minister for us uh, on that special weekend. And most of you don't know Brother Iberson, some of you do. And uh, he's just, uh, I was over there, my wife and I went to Belgium this last summer. And uh, we were really blessed to be in his church, and he's a very well-known, respected brother over there, and he's going to be coming over to minister, and I'm, I know you'll really enjoy uh, Brother David. And uh, so that will be on Easter weekend. It'll be Saturday evening, and then we'll have uh, uh, services on that Sunday. Now, I put a note in here as well. September 22nd is going to be our men's meeting, and uh, this is... Um, something that we're going to be doing, and doing it a little bit differently this year. And I will give you uh, <clears throat> heads up that we're going to be doing it in Michigan this year. So uh, we'll let you know more details about that as we, uh, as we get along. If you don't mind, I'll have you stand to your feet again, and uh, let's read the scripture. We're going to go to the fifth psalm. Fifth psalm. And we're going to read a little passage uh, this morning. I really appreciate the, as I said, the song service and the special uh, this morning. Sister Anna, it was just a, a real blessing. And, uh, you know, I just love that theme. I choose to believe that you are faithful and I've uh, chosen not to be discouraged. That's just a wonderful uh, thought this morning as we go into this pa- passage of scripture here. Very timely song, very accurate. David writes in Psalm 5. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies, and make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness, and their throat is an open, open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. 
Destroy thou them, O God, let them fall by their own counsels, and cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. And let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. And let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. That's a great verse. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. How many of those people do we have here today? And let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. And let them also that love thy name be joyful unto thee. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor, wilt thou compass him as with a shield. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. I'm going to jump right in and I want you just to focus with me this morning because I'm not trying to... uh, be lengthy here today and I want to just capitalize on the wonderful spirit and atmosphere that's here and again I appreciated the comments that were made and the responses that were given from last Sunday and this whole idea uh, it's not something that I plan to do at all which is kind of nice that I'm not the one planning uh, but this little thought of trusting God uh, and, and building faith in the in the last days, I think is very critical. Many times we talk about faith, and, and in some ways, you know, we understand faith as, a, as it's defined. We understand some of the principles that are related to faith, and um, obviously it's an extremely important thing. But I, I believe and I've always felt, I've, I've learned to really understand that faith stands on the shoulders of trust. When we trust God, we, it's easier to have faith in him. It's easier for you to have faith in somebody that you trust. It's easier for you to have faith in something that you trust. And so I want you to hold that thought in your mind here. And this is what what, uh, David teaches us in the psalm. Let let all of those that put their trust in thee rejoice. If we trust in God, then we can rejoice. You know why? Because whatever he says, it's going to come to pass. it's, It's going to happen just exactly as God said. I remember a number of years ago in uh, Newfoundland, the province that I grew up in, uh, there was a season where in the 60s and 70s, early 70s, where the churches there, the independent churches that eventually became message churches, there was a real stirring among them that they knew they, uh, they, they were not where they should be. They, it, was, it was interesting because they were, they were aware that there, was things hap- there were things happening in the earth and things happening in the spiritual realm that they were not a part of. And they wanted to be. They had a desire, they had a thirst to be a part of what God was doing. And they had heard about all of these ministries and the great supernatural things that were occurring in the United States and uh, different parts of the world, like uh, uh, Billy Graham's revivals that were going on, Jack Coe and his revivals, and uh, you know the the other some of the other great evangelists that were around. And they'd also heard of Brother Branham's uh, ministry, and they did not have. Uh, you know, because Newfoundland is so far removed and is so far away from the mainstream, they had only heard about it through the, um, you know, the slim pickings of the media back in that day. But they wanted to be a part of it. So what they did was they decided to send out uh, people uh, to some of these meetings to witness and, 
and actually see what these uh, services were like. And were the stories really true? Were the testimonies really real? And they, they sent, uh, you know, brothers to uh, some of Brother Bram's meetings, some of Jack Cole's meetings, some of Billy Graham's meeting, some at Oral Roberts' meeting, and some at A.A. A. Allen's meeting. There was the, he was a well-known person back in that day, and this is, we're talking the early 60s. And uh, one of the brothers, you know, they all came back and they gave their different reports and uh, people were, you know, impressed with that. But one of the brothers uh, had the opportunity to go to New York in 1963 and be in the meetings uh, where Brother Brandon preached over there. It's a little series that he did. And uh, there were some great miracles that took place in that meeting. And this brother, Brother Manuel, uh, Sister Becky will remember that name, uh, he, he wound up sitting behind this uh, colored sister and her daughter little daughter she was quite young and she was she had leg braces on and and she was quite crippled and they came in and uh, uh, they sat in the in the pew there and he noticed he was sitting because he's sitting right behind her and and people were talking and they were talking about you know their expectations of the meeting and different things before it began and uh, she came in and she had a box of brand new shoes and she laid it on the, on, on the pew, she laid it in the seat right next to this little girl. And the brother, uh, he was just curious, and he asked the sister, he said, I'm just curious why you brought a new pair of shoes to the meeting. And she said, I came because I believe my daughter's going to be healed. And these are the shoes she's going to wear when she's healed. And I thought... Uh, you know, when, I, when he came back and brought that testimony back to the brothers there, and, uh, you know, they were excited. And then as the meeting went on, in the end of it, you can hear Brother Brandon, and he talks about, uh, you know, the prayer line, and he's, he's praying for people. And that little girl came up there, and the mother came up with the shoes under her arm. And uh, that little girl came across the platform, and Brother Brandon prayed for her, and he told her to take the braces off. And the mother just pulled out the two shoes and uh, gave it to the girl, and she put them on, and she walked back to her chair. And uh, she was so excited and everybody in the place was so excited. And this brother who was from Newfoundland sitting right behind him, he watched that girl leave on crutches and come back with that new pair of shoes on. And, you know, the idea is that you, you, you should give God room uh, to do. You give God a place to do something when you know it's his promise. In other words, if you're trusting in God and you have faith in God that he's going to do something because it's found in his word, when you claim that thing and when you believe that thing or it's revealed to you, you should give God room to operate. Give him room to work. There's a story about how uh, Jack Cole prayed for uh, a couple. There was five people who made an appointment who were in wheelchairs who came to ask Jack Cole if he would pray for them. And uh, he walked into the room when all five of them were there. It was a Monday afternoon. He walked into the room and he looked at all of them and talked to them for a little while. And he said, you didn't bring any shoes. You didn't bring any footwear at all. And they said, no, we've never needed them. And he said, I'll tell you what, go home and come back tomorrow, same time, but when you come, bring your shoes. He prayed for all five people the next day. All five of them walked out of those wheelchairs and went home. You have to give God room. You have to give him a place to, uh, to, to operate, to occupy, if you're trusting in God to do something. I know he's going to do it. I may not know how. I may not know when, but I'm going to bring my shoes. I'm going to bring uh, that place that God can actually operate and do things. All right, now I want you to hold on to that today as we look. Stay with me here. 
Paul writes and says in Colossians 1, This I say, lest any man beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, enjoying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, and be rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. And that's what God wants us to do. Every one of us to be rooted and to be built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Your experience in, in walking the Christian walk should be one of being built up and being having good roots laid down, but being built up and established in the faith and abounding therein. It's not just to say I'm in the church, but to abound therein. We should be farther up the road today than what we were years ago. We should be farther ahead in our faith than we were years ago. We should have, correspondingly, a greater trust in God than we ever did. Because we are the people with the perfect word, right? The perfect interpretation. Do you believe that? And if we say that we have the perfect interpretation, that puts a, that puts a responsibility on our shoulders because, hey folks, it ain't going to get any better. Right? The interpretation of the word, if it's, if it's a perfect understanding and interpretation of the word, we're not going to get a more perfect understanding of the word. Are we okay? Yeah. If Brother Branham says, now by God's grace we have the perfect interpretation of the word, don't wait around for another minister to bring you a more perfect interpretation. All right? What, you're, what you want to have is your understanding to catch up with the understanding God's brought. God help us to, to get there. Not that we're waiting for some other minister or some super premium preacher to rise up and bring us something that we've never heard before. Hey, what God has said, he's already said. And according to a prophet, he said, that's a perfect understanding. That's a perfect interpretation of the word of God. So Paul says we grow up in that. I love this in the Jewish Bible. It says, remain deeply rooted in him. Remain deeply rooted in him. And continue being built up in him and confirmed in your trust. The way you were taught so that you overflow with thanksgiving. And that word built means to uh, literally to finish the structure upon which a foundation has already been laid. So when we say, when Paul says that we need to continue being built up in him, God's got an end in view, right? God's got an end in mind. And he wants, he wants to make sure that this building process doesn't start, doesn't start well and carry on for a while and then things happen in your life or things happen in the church or things happen because you're offended and all of a sudden the whole process slows down. You don't want to do that. Right? And Paul is praying that, Paul is praying that the church does not experience that, but we want to give constant increase in Christian knowledge and in a life conformed thereto. So we want to, we, we want to know more because we want to do more, because we want to witness more, because we want to share more, uh, because we want to live more, and we want to experience more with God, and we want to get out of here. And that's what Paul is saying when he uses that word built here, that we want to finish the structure upon which a foundation has already been laid. And so let's look at this from the early church point of view. Now this is, again, this is early church, all right? And Paul says that uh, in our time, we know, but we know in part. What we know, we know to be true. What we know, uh, we know is, is worthy of dying for. What we know is God's word. And we are thankful for that. And we prophesy accordingly, but in part. Is everybody following me? But he says, when that which is, come, when that which is perfect is come, he says, then the in part part will be done away. 
will not have to wonder, will not have to probe. And Paul is telling the church that we have what we have by the grace of God, and we're thankful for the insight we have, for the great light, the grace, the truth, the justification that we have, and all of that, and the hope and the promises that the conclusion will come, but we don't have it all yet. There's things about God and the Godhead. There's things about God's word. There's things about the Old Testament that we don't really fully understand. And there's things about uh, the mysteries of, of this Gentile people now that are in view that we don't fully understand. But he says, what we have is true, and we're thankful for that. Walk in it and watch it unfold and reveal itself. And he says, then, as we carry on, we'll come to a time where that partial knowledge will vanish. It'll pass away. And we will have, by God's grace, a perfect interpretation of the Word of God. Everybody okay with that? All right. Now, Brother Manum says now in 1965, he's at the end of his ministry now. And look at the date. This is September uh, 9-11, uh, 1965. A few years ago, the other churches told us that we were crazy, saying the Holy Ghost was a thing of the past. But we find out God's promise was to whosoever will, and now we know different. People, people thought, hey, years ago, Hey, that doesn't happen. The days of miracles is past. That was for the early church. And uh, Brother Branham said, hey, but we know better. Yeah. Hey, when you've had the experience, you know what? Hey, you might as well quit. Uh, somebody trying to argue with you, you might as well quit because I've been there, done that. And I have the, I have the, uh, I have the blessings. I have the, the uh, revelation of it. So you might as well quit trying to dissuade me. And Brother Bram says, people said that, but we know better. And he says, little by little, this thing is opened up. Little by little, this thing is opened up. You know what? Little by little, it continues to open up. Little by little, it continues to reveal itself. Isn't that right? We don't get it all in one service. We don't get it all in one place. We get it as we walk in the light. And now he promised that the mysteries uh, that was hid in these, all these church ages would be revealed right at the end time. And he lets us know now. And we're at the end time. We're here. This is it. This is, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what the ages uh, looked through the glass darkly at. This is what they wondered about. This is what they, they tried to focus. They tried to see better what it was that uh, the mysteries of God really spoke about. And Brother Bram says, but we're here. He's letting us know now that we're here. We're right there at that particular time. Now, again, I gave you this quote last week, Israel in the church. Uh, Brother Bram says, when the showdown time comes, in other words, when it all winds up and we're on the lip of tribulation, he says, you, the problem is you don't know where you're standing if you're not taught correctly and put your emphasis on, on the wrong things. He said, there's a great journey and a great battle ahead for the church and God is going to turn his church into manhood now. He's going to have, to, we're going to have to put away childish things and take on manhood or come to maturity. And that's God's goal for us is to come to maturity. God's goal is not that you make it. God's goal is that you come to a place of maturity. God knows who's going to make it, right? And nobody's going to be plucked out of his hand. I'm grateful for that. God's, God's goal is not for you to have the biggest church. And God's goal is not for you to have the best singers. I think we have all of that. But you know what? He, that's not what he's primarily concerned about. He's primarily concerned about you growing up. He's concerned about you putting away childish things. He's, he's, he's concerned about you uh, quitting, complaining about things that uh, we should be uh, saying, well, Lord, all things work together for good to them that love God. And we're the called according to his purpose. Are we okay? 
I believe that we should stop looking at, uh, looking at people and start looking at God's promises and looking at them the way God looks at them. Because if you look at people, you're eventually going to get disappointed. And if you look to people, you're eventually going to get hurt. And if you look at people and put your confidence in people, God will remove those people so that your faith is not focused on the wrong thing, but it's focused on Christ. And I will tell you that happens. And God's going to turn his church into manhood. And God's not afraid to bring that church into a place of maturity his way. And God's got it, uh, God's got it all laid out and already designed. So here's Brother Branham. Now that's what I've been alluding to that we do have today. It's 1964. And he's telling us that this is not looking through a glass darkly anymore. But we do have today, by God's help, the perfect interpretation of the word with divine vindication then that which is in part is done away with. We don't have to wonder, well, is God in a trinity or not? No, we don't wonder about that. We don't wonder about what happened in the Garden of Eden. Everybody settle on that? Right? We don't have to wonder about who Melchizedek is. We don't have to wonder about how many is there, one or three. We don't have to worry about, uh, you know, what, what the order of events are at the end time. We don't have to wonder about, uh, you know, is Hal Lindsey right? Or is, is there a seven-year tribulation? Or uh, what is it that's going on? What happens to Israel? What, you know, those two prophets that come? We don't have to wonder about that. So the, the knowing, in part, is done away with. We know. By God's grace, we know. You're a blessed people because you know. We are privileged to know. God didn't hide things from us. He hid things for us in the last days so that we might know. God made it real. God made it available. God made it plain. God, God took a, a, a man who was very plain spoken uh, in his education and in his intellectual ability and said it in ways that, hey, even though you are a fool, you wouldn't err therein if you were an elected seed of God. Right? We're not lost in the, in, the, in, the hall, the, in the corridors of theology. We're not lost in the, uh, the banter of intellectuals. We're not lost at all uh, in the pedantic uh, you know, ramblings of people that uh, you know, profess to know it all. We don't, we're not subject to that at all. But God made it plain to us. We are blessed because of that. And Brother Branham said, as a result of all of this, this is that coming into the third pull. And we're coming now to the perfection because the people has to come to this in order for the rapture. So, hey, folks, this is you. This is you he's talking about. We are the people that are coming into that uh, rapture season, and we are the people that are coming to the point where we leave, and that is the change of our body. Amen. We're coming to the catching away. Everybody following me? This is, where we're, this is where we're headed, all right? And he says this is coming into that third pool. It's all going to happen underneath this third pool. There's not a fourth pool. There's a three pools. And we're, we're right there now at the, at the beginning, the unfolding of that third pool, which is the opening of the word, reveal the mysteries. And there are also other phases of the third pool as well. And we're coming in that, to that perfection because the people has to come to that. And that's what's holding it away right now is waiting for the church to come into that perfect raptured faith. That's not a criticism. That's not Brother Branham said, my goodness, if you're only spiritual, you'd all get it and we'd all be gone here. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that God has opened up something that in its season will mature to the place where a mature people will embrace that and go. You can't make God's word work out of season in the same way you can't make nature work out of season. He said you can't go out in the middle of winter and throw your seeds in the ground because there's no, they're not going to make it. You've got to wait till the right season and then do the right things and get the right seed in the right place. And then, you know what, you'll have a harvest. 
And so Brother Bram's not being critical because the church is not spiritual enough back in that day. Hey, listen, God's the one obligated to get the church spiritual enough to be able to understand what God's revealing. And we needed a time, didn't we? We needed a time to lay in the presence of the sun and ripen. Get a lot of our silly ideas out of the way. Get a lot of our silly, uh, you know, things that we brought into the faith with us when we came in. God needed to, uh, you know, burn or bake all those things out of it, out of, out of the way. I mean, we had all kinds of ideas when we, when, when you came to the faith, we had all kinds of ideas. We had all kinds of thoughts about what the Bible meant. We had all kinds of uh, preconceived ideas and things that we were taught as children about what the Bible meant. And, uh, uh, we found out a lot of them really were not true, and the rest of them were not really accurate. Kind of half true. Isn't that right? Hey, I mean, most of you folks were raised, most of you were raised in somewhat of a Bible-reading culture. I wasn't. I was raised in a, in a Catholic environment. And in the Catholic environment, you know, they had uh, ways that were very, very different. Like, I mean, I'll give you one. And uh, one was this whole thought of Mary, Right? And Mary's role in the Catholic Church, Mary's role is a big deal. And, you know, the idea was always taught that Mary was kind of an intercessor because she's a mother. And, you know, mothers will listen to you when no one else will, right? Mothers are gentle, they're nurturing, they're, uh, they're compassionate most often. Even when you really mess up, you can go to your mother anytime, right? And she'll put her arm around you no matter what. And, uh, uh, they, the Catholics portrayed Mary, and I'm not going to take long on this, but the Catholics portrayed Mary as, uh, uh, you know, the compassionate one. And if you, so if you're in trouble, go to Mary. She'll intercede to Jesus, and Jesus will intercede to the Father, who is really the judge, the guy with the gavel. And, uh, you know, you'll probably get off the hook if you go through Mary. But if you don't go through Mary, you know what? You're going to face the judge. And, and so they, they, they believed that. They taught that. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the Pope, he made a statement, and the, and the Catholic uh, leaders, the other leaders around the Pope, they encouraged him not to do this. But they, he eventually made a, an encyclical that said that Mary was actually virgin-born. It was in the 1900s. And uh, they told him, don't say that, because that's really too far out. And he said, I'm going to say it anyway. Once the Pope says it and puts it in an encyclical called a bull, then, uh, ironically, then uh, he, it, it's law. I mean, that's what Catholics believe. So they believe that Mary was, a, was virgin born. And now, so everybody's got to believe that. I mean, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, you got to believe it. You got to profess it if you're Catholic uh, hierarchy. And, and so when I grew up, we believed that Mary was virgin born, just like Jesus was virgin born. And so, you know what? She did have a power after all. I mean, the church said so. And so you could go to Mary. Hey, I'm, uh, some of you are looking at me like, what planet were you from? And you know what? There's, there's a truth about intercession, but they had it wrong. They had the details wrong. And the devil's in the details, isn't it? And so, therefore, I had to unlearn to relearn the things that are truth. And that's what Brother Bram's telling us now, that you've got, in order to come to that place of perfection where you can leave this earth without, being, without, without changing, you can be changed without changing. Because death doesn't change you, right? Are we okay, folks? Death doesn't change you. It only changes your position. It only changes your address, right? And, and, and in order to come to this for the rapture, Brother Bram says we've got to come into this perfection. And the perfection mainly has to do with our understanding of the word. And that's what's holding it away. He said, and we're looking for it. Last paragraph, we're looking for it. It means a lot of shaving down for me, but together we'll make it by the grace of God. It means a lot of shaking down for me. You know why? Because in some areas I need to humble myself. 
In some areas, I need to repent. In some areas, I need to go to somebody and say, you know what? I'm sorry. Even if I won the argument, I'm sorry I offended you. Because you can win the argument and still have a lot of offended people behind you. And you know what? That doesn't apply just to me. It applies to all of us. That You know what? We may have, we may have been technically, legally, biblically right, but you can still offend your brother, and you can't make Scripture fight against Scripture. So if you've offended your brother, you need to leave your gift at the altar and go make that right, because reconciliation is stronger than worship. Everybody okay? We've covered that. And, and this is what Brother Bram says. It means a lot of shaking down for us. It means that we've got to make sure we, we are loving the right things. Remember Jesus talked about manna, uh, you know, this, this earth, the manna of this earth, the riches and wealth of this earth. And he says, you know, some people, will, they'll hold on to the one and not the other, right? They'll hold on to riches. It doesn't mean that it, it's, it's forever a part of them. If you're holding on to something, you can let go of it, right? That's what the Bible says. They'll hold to one and forsake the other one. And, and, and if you're holding on to something really tight, you can, you can let it go. You might be holding on to some thought, well, uh, you know, that's, my, that's, my, uh, that's the guy I'm going to marry. That's the, that's the guy, he's just so handsome and suave and uh, charismatic and he seems so wealthy and he dresses so nice and he smells good. And you may be holding on to that idea, holding tight. But God may say that's not the one for you, so you need to let it go. When you're holding on to something, you can also let it go. <clears throat> And so we want to make sure that we're not uh, holding on to the wrong things and we're not embracing wrong things and we're or understanding correctly. And I will tell you what, that's not my job to help you, to make you understand correctly. That's the Holy Spirit's job because he's the author of Revelation, isn't he? This is not about just knowledge and you trying to stay awake for an hour here. This is about you being in the place where the Holy Spirit can reveal himself to you and make you what he wants you to be so that you can step from here into that kingdom over there. Everybody all right? So now we, we, we've been discussing these two, uh, these two principles here, the faith in the existence of God, the reality of God, the word of God. Uh, all of that is true, and we all believe that. It's not a problem. But there are many other people in the world who also believe that. But we are talking also about our ability to trust in God. We find in Genesis chapter 22 when Abraham brought Isaac up on top of the mountain there, and uh, Isaac says, my father, and he said, here am I, son. Behold, a fire in the wood, but there is, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. What a statement. And so they both of them went together. God's going to take care of this. You know what? I've learned to trust him a long time ago. I've got faith in him because I've seen him work and I've seen him do this and this. And he's led us every step of the way. He's led us and I have a complete and quiet trust in him. And my faith sits on the top of the shoulders of trust. And I believe that one day God's going to bring it to pass. I believe somehow God's going to do it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but hey, listen, just hang on. My son, God will provide. How many of you believe that today? You may not know how God's going to solve your problem. And you may have come to church today with a problem or a tragedy or a stress in your household or in your marriage or with your children or whatever else, in your faith you might be going through a stress. But I will tell you this, if, if you trust God in the right way, your response is to have faith in him because you know what? I, God has brought me this far. God has never failed me. God's word has always been true. I've always seen God bring it to pass. I've always seen God pull it out. And I trust him implicitly. I trust him with my life. I trust him with my faith. I trust him with everything I am. 
And so when God shows me the next step, I'll take that step of faith because my faith is sitting on the top of the shoulders of real solid trust. And David says, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. And I want to say to you today, I believe that it doesn't hurt for people that trust in God to rejoice and let them shout for joy even before God brings the answer. Because you know what? God is faithful to his word. He defends them. I believe that the people of God can shout for joy because God defends them. Do you believe that God defends you? I believe that that's true. 1 Samuel chapter 17, watch what's said here. This day, the Lord will deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee. This is David, and he's speaking to the giant. Think about this now for a minute. I'm I'm being real simple here, but I want you to get the point today. I I was in a country a little while ago, and some woman came up to me, and uh, she said, Brother Barry, I appreciate you coming, and uh, you know, so on. She said, I was in a service about 20 years ago when you preached, and she said, you gave this illustration, and she said, I never forgot the illustration. I never forgot the scene you painted. And she said, it really helped me, and I've hung on to that over all these years. So forgive me if I'm being simple, but I want you to remember these things. And I I, I believe that sometimes it's easier to help it when we demonstrate it. Are we okay? So be ready. And here's David walking out onto the field. And uh, he's, he's in this paradoxical situation, which is a guy that's 10 feet tall, standing next to a guy who's, in the Bible terms, He's ruddy. He's only a little guy. He's a run to the litter in his household. And David says to this giant, he says, This day the Lord deliver thee. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. <laughs> you gotta, now you've got to imagine the scene, right? Um, uh, let's see. Isaac, Isaac, come on up here, buddy. Come on up here. My buddy Isaac. (laughs) I just got to show you this, all right? He's a Clayville. (laughs) You stay right there, buddy. Here, look this way. Look this way. Look at me. Turn around. Look at me. You're David, okay? You're David. And I'm the giant. And this is probably proportionately what this is. <laughs> this may look funny from your side, but this is really funny from my side here. Come up a little closer here. And he says to me, buddy, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will smite thee. Right. And he goes on to say, and take thy head from thee. He's going to take my head off my shoulders. No wonder the giant at this point didn't do anything. He must have been paralyzed with shock that this is either the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life or Israel's secret weapon. And I don't want to do something really stupid here. Right? I mean, the giant has got to be looking at this scene And saying, and I will give thee, I will give thy carcass of the host of, uh, I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the earth and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. 
Now look, there's not a lot of people on the Israeli side who are saying, yeah, amen, go for it, David. Hey, we're with you, buddy. They're not doing that. They're thinking, what in the world is going on, right? They're not over there saying, I'm one of them. They're not at all because, you know what? There are actually people who have forsaken the ranks of the Israelites and gone and hid. And they're not all, they're not all there. They're not all standing there. And then it says, and all this assembly shall know. All of this assembly of the believers, the Israelites, shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. You know what he's doing? He's brought up his shoes with him, and he's, <coughs> excuse me, he's believing and trusting that God's going to do exactly what he's saying right here. And it came to pass that when the Philistines arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. <laughs> I hope somebody's got a picture of this. Isaac, thank you, buddy. God bless you. You may be seated. Get a pair of shoes. What's, what's, what's he got? He does not have a weapon. He does not have physical strength. He does not have uh, anything within himself that logically, listen now, logically looking at that, it doesn't make sense. From the human perspective, that doesn't make sense. But when you know the God you can trust, this makes sense. Come on, folks. When you know the promise giver, when you know the God who speaks a word that never fails, then this makes sense. When it is looked at logically, it doesn't make sense. But when you know the, the one you can trust in, when you know the one that David writes about, and let all those that are righteous, let them praise the Lord, and let them give thanks to God because he defends them. When you know him, hey, all things are possible to them that believe. And that's exactly what David is saying. We find it in Genesis chapter 22 that in blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee as the seed of the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth uh, be blessed. Why? Because thou hast obeyed my voice. Hey, here's a man who has never had a child. Here's a man whose wife could never medically have children. This does not make sense logically. But when, you're, when you know the promise giver, Abraham says, hey, he went and returned unto his young men and said, hey, hey, you know what, folks? You better be prepared. Uh, this is going to happen. This is going to come to pass. And Brother Abraham says he begins to get the diapers together and goes down to Babies or Us and, and begins to buy supplies and so on. You know what he's doing? He's given God room to fulfill the rooms of the promise. He's given God a place that God can actually operate. And that's, that's, uh, that's what Abraham did. He believed not. As, he, he believed those things that were not as though they were. And he did it because he obeyed the voice that God, uh, that God had said. And everything, every commandment that God had given. And Abraham believed it. And he said, that's a believer. You want to know what a believer is? He believes. Abraham, listen now. Abraham believed it. That's a believer. I, I, I love this quote. I, I, it's not a big one, but I love this quote. Abraham believed God. That's a believer. Abraham had a big church. That's not what it says. That doesn't make you a believer. I've been in the faith all my life. That doesn't make you a believer. I never smoked. That doesn't make you a believer. I shook Brother Bram's hand. That doesn't make you a believer either. 
I played volleyball in Jeffersonville. That doesn't make you a believer either. I got a tablet. That doesn't make you a believer. You know what makes you a believer? When you believe. When you believe what God says, that's what makes you a believer. And that's a believer. How are you going to do it, Lord? I love this. How are you going to do it, Lord? He asks the question. How are you going to do it? How is it going to come to pass? Hey, you know what? I, I, let me ask you a question here and you can answer this one. How many of you believe that one day we're going to come to a place where your body's going to be changed? How are you going to do it? Should never come into the conversation. How, how's he going to do it? How, how's he going to do it? I can't lose five pounds, right? I can't make my hair turn black like it used to be. Or mousy is what my brothers used to say. You have mousy hair. I, I can't do that. I can't turn back the clock. There's a lot of things about my life I can't change. I can't make me sing. You know, I, I go through the motions. Uh, I mouth the words very often. Oh, that's why I hang around with good song leaders. <laughs> you think that's an accident? It ain't no accident. That's happening on purpose. I, there's some things about me I can't change. There are some things that I, I would if I could, but I can't change. But I will tell you this. Uh, I, I believe that God one day is going to take me. God's going to perfect me in his own way and in his own time through his own methods. And God's going to do that. And I'm going to come kicking and screaming or I'm going to come singing. Uh, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Either way, I believe God's going to get me there. How are you going to do it? That doesn't really come into conversation. Or are you able to do it? That doesn't come into conversation. Or, Lord, will I be ready? That doesn't come into conversation. When God's time arrives, you know what? You'll be ready. And if you're predestinated, you'll be there. If you've got a seat at the marriage supper of the Lamb, you know what? It's a done deal. Even though you don't know the future, I know the one who holds the future. Even though you don't, you don't, uh, you're not uh, responsible for making the promise come to pass, I know the promise giver. And that's what's important. I need you two guys to come on up here. All right, here's how it works. All right, Lincolnton, you stay right there. Manual. Hold on to that one. Come down one step and come over to here. Come right over to here. Manual, no, you. Come over here, Lincolnton. You'll never forget this. Wow, okay. Let go of that end. Take this end. I need you to stand right here. Come over here, Lincolnton. All right, go up a step. Great. That's absolutely great. <clears throat> Joe. Come on up here. You'll never forget this. You're standing right there. Okay. All you need to do is answer my questions. Sure. If this is the timeline of Joe's life, all right, this is the timeline. And it goes straight. It goes all the way from that wall over there, and this is eternity, okay? So this is where it happens. Rebecca, just come on here. Well... Would you do it? Just come on here. <laughs> just right here. You don't have to say anything, okay? Just, you're, doing, you're doing really good. Now, this is just pretend, okay? This is pretend. 
This is pretend, okay? <laughs> if I ask Joel what he can see about his life, he can see the present, which is right here. And what else can you see? Um, I can see the over there. The past? Yeah. That's the past. 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 That's the present. Can you see the future? No. Can you see who your future wife's going to be? <laughs> no. This I, is, I cannot. <laughs> this is pretend, all right? We, all, we good? Okay. Got it? <laughs> You'll never forget this. <laughs> Someone else will never forget this. You don't know who your future wife is? No, I don't. No. You don't know what the future holds? No. Why not? Because... Can't see the future. Can't see it. No, I can't. Who knows the future? God knows. He knows your. He knows what's going to happen beyond that barrier, right? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> you don't even know what job you're going to have when you graduate. Nope. You don't really know where your faith in Christ is going to take you. There's a whole lot about your future you don't know, right? Not a clue. Not a clue. Nope. Because you know why it's hidden from you. Not because you're not a good person, but because none of us get to see our future. Right? right? None of us get to, to look ahead and say, ah, oh, that's where I'm going to be. That's the person I'm going to marry. That's, that's what, what's, what's up the road for me. So the only way, let's say this, Joel being a believer... He believes that up the road there's a marriage supper, right? Can you see it? No. Do you believe it's there? Yeah. Why? Because God says so. God promised it, didn't he? Mm -hmm. There's a a marriage supper up there. So somewhere up here, beyond this veil, beyond this shield that blocks us from seeing the future, there's a marriage supper up there. And even though we don't, listen, even though we don't see it, it's real to Joel Mm -hmm. because... God said it because his word describes it. And God is faithful to his word. Do you believe that's true? All right. We are the people then who are limited to knowing what that future is. But let's say this. We need to learn, and I want to say this exactly right. We need to learn to trust God to bring a word that gets you to the place He wants you to be because he knows what you're going to need up there. Let's say this. Let's say I'm God. And I know the past from the future. I know the whole story, right? I know everything that's going to happen to Joe because, you know what? My perspective is very different than his. We look at things from our perspective all the time. But in reality, we are not trusting the promise maker enough to be able to coordinate things from his point of view to get us to where we need to be. 
And what does he do? He sends, he doesn't say to Joe, Joe, hey, listen, uh, you're going to graduate in this particular year. You're going to have this degree. Uh, By then, you're going to be a size 40, and uh, you're going to marry this girl, and uh, you're going to have a job, and you're going to have a house uh, in the suburbs and a station wagon and two dogs. And he doesn't say the whole story to Joe. You know what he does? He gives a word. He sends a word. And that word is able to get Joe from where he is farther up the road because he knows exactly the path Joe's got to take, even in the area that Joe can't see. Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? Yeah. His, his view, his control of my life and my trust in him depends on whether I believe God can see all of this as opposed to whether I can see this. Yeah. I can, as Joe, he can't see it all, but do you believe that God sees it all? Amen. Hey, like Sister Anna saying, I choose, I choose to believe. I Amen. choose not to be discouraged. Because you know what? I know that God's got me waiting for something. I know that God's molding me for something. Let's put it this way. How many of you believe that God in the stream of time believed that the bride needed to have rapturing faith because up here there was going to be a bride who is going to be, her, they're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Right? We don't know how we're going to get there, but what did God do? He chose to send a word through Malachi 4 that would eventually bring us to where we needed to be. And that was God's decision because he's looking at this not from the position of, I don't know. He knows exactly what we need to have to have our bodies changed. This is not martyr's faith. This is not witnessing faith. This is not uh, the faith of the ox or the lion. This is the faith of the eagle, and this is the thing that we needed to have. And God knowing, ha, ah, i got to get Joel from there to there. You know what? I'm I'm going to send a word here that will get him up the road and keep getting him up the road until he comes to this, the bride, and then eventually he'll be in place. And God knows exactly that's true because he's looking at it differently than we're looking at it. Do you believe that? God bless you, brother. God bless you. Thank you for coming today. We have to trust God. We have to trust God to continue to give us a word that places us in a future that we don't see. And he gives us those promises. And he gives us those pledges. He gives us those assurances that it is going to happen because I said so. And you know what? Even though you may know exactly all the details yet, you will when you get there, but I'm giving you a word now that I want you to believe. So when God sends you a promise, when God magnifies a promise, when God reveals something to us, you should take that because that's God's method of getting you up the road a little bit farther. Does that make sense? Whatever God is sending to us, whether in the days of Brother Branham where there was a revelation of the healing virtue of God, it it is, uh, you know, all of a sudden we're we're aware, hey, uh, you know, God is a healer. And you know what? We've needed that ever since Brother Branham was on the earth. Isn't that right? We've needed that. I could say, say honestly, we still need that. We still need to have the assurance that God's a healer. And what was God doing? He was, he was healing some people, and I believe he's healing now some people still because they're not meant to go in a premature grave. They're meant to go in the change when the bride leaves here. And God sends us a word that accomplishes that. And we should be walking in the word he sends rather than spending our energy trying to figure out what's next. God already knows what's next because he's looking at the end from the beginning and he's got it all figured out. I know how to get you here to there and I'm going to send the word for you to walk in faith by until you get to your destination. 
Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Let's give these folks a hand. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Joel. Now, let me show you a shocking screen. Just think for a minute. Think for a minute. Here's Samson, and you've got to think about Samson in the moment he's on his way to his death. All right? Until now, he's enjoyed, uh, you know, notoriety. He's enjoyed uh, this strength. He's enjoyed this power that God's anointed him with. And he's never had to bow to anybody. He's never had to uh, suffer things, you know, like imprisonment. Now his eyes are gouged out. And the priest is on the right-hand side, left-hand side here, and mocking him. And this is what the Bible says. Now think about, think about his plight for a minute here. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. When the people saw Samson, they praised their God. Not God, but their God. For they said, our God, small g, hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry. Oh, yeah, they're just excited about this. When their hearts were merry, that they said, call for Samson that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson. And that would mean, generally, that would mean a long, slow, painful death. That, that the, 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 the prize of this gathering would be their enemy laying bleeding, dying on the floor, writhing in pain. That shows their power. That shows their prowess. We have our foot on the neck of our enemies. And so they said, now ah, bring him forth. Let's, let's make mockery out of this man here. And he stands for this Jehovah. And, let's bring, and they're happy. The Bible says their hearts are merry. They're happy. They're full of wine and they're full of, uh, you know, this, this, uh, this uh, carnality. And they said, we're going to make sport out of him. And they called him out of the prison house and he made them, and he made them sport. And they set him between the pillars. Now, I want you to notice now for a moment. I just, I, 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 I thought about this, this scene here. And so they lead a Samson out. Remember how they let him out? Just a little lad. Isaac. They let a little lad lead this strong man out. And he comes out like this. And, you know, it's a mockery because they're using the smallest among them to bring the mightiest, supposedly, among them. And they're bringing this Samson out. And here he comes, you know, and he's, he's standing there like this, can't see a thing. And he's in, that, he's in a, the bondage of natural chains. And then the Bible says, and Samson said unto the lad, held him by the hand. Now, we don't have anywhere in, the, in this passage or in the story that God told Samson what he was about to do. God never, God never indicated to Samson, all right, now when they bring you out, you're going to be chained, get ready, on, on the count of three, you pull. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. Samson is aware of one thing, that if he doesn't cut his hair, He'll have strength, right? That is the key to Samson's strength. One thing he knows for sure. Why? Because God said it. That's why. 
God told him, as a Nazarite, if you do not cut your hair, you'll have this anointing, you'll have this strength with you. Now, we don't find where God comes to him and, and revisits him and says, hey, buddy, do you remember what I told you? He doesn't do that. Samson just knows in his heart. He just intuitively knows that my hair is growing. It's uncut. I, I, I'm re- I've repented of my sins and my carnality. I've repented of letting Delilah get that close. I've repented of falling prey to this woman and the influences that she brought to me. And he's got, this, he's, he's got this heart where now he realizes my hair is growing out. It's uncut. I'll never cut it again. And that's his determination. Now look, folks, just for a minute, pause. This, this could be, we, we're all Samson in a sense that no matter how bad you mess up, and no matter how bad uh, we blow it in life, no matter how bad you might be encumbered with different chains in your life, no matter how many chains are wrapped around you, the moment you repent of your sinfulness and come back to the promise of God, you know what? God is watching and waiting for that moment. God is watching and waiting for that moment for you to, to, to acknowledge the promise of God. And remember, Samson didn't have to do anything in order to have power. He didn't have to say something in order to have power. He only needed to believe the promise of God that said, if your hair is uncut, you know what? You'll have strength. I will anoint you and you'll have strength. That's all, right? Are we Okay. And the Bible says, and Samson said to the lad that held him by the hand, suffer me that I may put, feel the pillars where the house standeth. Bring me to the chief place where the load-bearing columns are and just let me feel them. I just want to do that, that I may lean upon them. Just, if you don't mind, just let me lean on the two key pillars that are holding this place up. And the boy winds his way to the front there. All the mockery and the spitting and everything else that they, they see at that moment here. And Samson's standing there. And you know what he's doing? He's just simply trusting the promise that God has made to him. He doesn't have a fresh word from God. At least we don't hear it. God doesn't say something to Samson afresh here on his way to the pillars. Hey, boy, now's your chance. He didn't say that. God doesn't remind Samson of the promise at all. God, uh, God, God is watching. Do you believe God's watching even in your darkest times and when you're bound with chains? Do you believe God's watching? Come on, do you believe that God's watching over you and your mistakes and your failures and your weaknesses? Sure he is, sure he is. And you know what? How many of you believe that God's got all power to help you when you're in the middle of all those trials and struggles? And you know what God's looking for? He's looking for obedience. God's looking for trust in Samson. God's looking for a repentant heart. God's looking for those things that Samson can give him even when he's bound with chains. He's looking for those things that Samson can do even when Samson is incapacitated by his own strength or anything else. He's not able to do, he's got no alternatives here. He's got no plan B. He's right there at the pillars that are holding this house up. And he's just reminded of that one little promise that God gave him. Don't cut your hair. Lord, I'm sorry I cut my hair, but it's growing back. And Lord, I'll never do that again. He's probably saying that to himself, but he knows. He somehow or another, he knows. If I, if I, if I, my faith, my trust is based on these promises, then Lord, I believe the strength will come because that's your promise. He doesn't say, I'll be a good boy forevermore. He's not making, he's not making, uh, you know, statements like he's just simply saying, I believe, Lord, the promise you gave me. And I'm right here now. And you can do a great thing. 
And Lord, if my hair is not cut, I'd never cut it again. I repent of all those Delilahs in my life. And, and Lord, here I am, just once more, Lord. That's where Brother Bram got the inspiration for, for once more, and just once more, Lord. And, and he's, he's, he's at a point where he knows he's probably not going to make it out of this. But you know what? That doesn't really matter. To Samson, that doesn't really matter. And he's at this point where, and look what Brother Bram says, and when God seen his promise, and he's seen, God's seen his promise to Samson, and he's seen Samson's hair grow. God said, that's my promise. That's my boy. That's my promise I gave to Samson. And something or another in the heart of God turned. And when God, look at the words. Don't look at me, look at the words. And when God seen Samson with his promise, God was what? Obligated. I'm obligated to Samson. As messed up as Samson is, as broken as Samson is, as blind as Samson is, I'm obligated to him. You know why? Because he believes my promise. He's trusting in me now. And something about that scene moved the heart of God towards Samson. And it says he put his arms around them big old pillars like that and pulled her right in. And strength came to him again. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know why Samson could do that? Holy, I've been in many of those structures in the Middle East and all over the place. They're, they're, they're still standing. Many of them are still standing. Great marbles of, uh, great columns of marble and uh, roofs of stone and all of that. They're still standing over there. Because they're, they're built so solid and they're so massive. And here's Samson putting his arms around there and ho- just holding and telling the little boy, if I were you, I'd get out of here. If I were you, I'd head for the closet underneath the stairs. Because this place is coming down. And then all of a sudden he begins to groan and begins to push. And he feels that anointing come over him. And there's a movement. Samson must have thought, oh, let the righteous rejoice. Like David said, let the righteous rejoice. Our God defends them that trust in him. I choose to believe. I I choose not to be discouraged. I I choose to believe. And Samson feels a bit of a, a give. Those big columns, he begins to give. And all of a sudden, he just, that anointing increases. Down it comes. And it probably came down first on him. Because he's pushing out the load-bearing wall. And, he, and he's, he's standing there. He can't see, so he doesn't know where to go. And he pushes those columns out. The, prob- the, the roof probably caved in first on him. But it destroyed all of those people that were making merry at the servant of God. Oh, friends. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> Samson trusted in that promise he didn't know what was going to happen he didn't see the future he's on the other side of the cloth if you like he's on the other side of the barrier and he doesn't know what's going to happen but he knows this that god sent me a word and if i believe that word god's going to get me to where i need to be are you following me do you understand god's not telling samson the steps he's just sending him a word he's sending him a promise 
Obey this. Walk in this and watch what happens. Don't you realize that in, in our situation, we, we are a people who, if I understand it right, are ordained to come down to the edge of tribulation in what a prophet described as the squeeze. I'm sorry, I don't have any other details. I wish I did, but I don't have any other details. Brother Bram said it'll be a squeeze around that time. And, and, and if I understand the message right, it brings us to the edge of the tribulation. And we'll be probably, in a sense, uh, ecclesiastically bound. Because I don't think we'll have the freedom to have, uh, you know, a church like we are today. I, I believe that there'll be, uh, you know, things that'll change. I'm, I'm, I'm just, just my thoughts. I, I believe that uh, the freedoms that we have, religiously speaking, and the freedoms that uh, we enjoy now, probably be less, less free by the time we get uh, down to the end of the road. Because you know what? The devil hates us. And as the Spirit of God is lifting off the earth, and we see it lifting off the earth, things are changing. And, and uh, right before the tribulation, God may bring us right to that place. And you know what God wants you to do? Is even if you can't do anything else, you just hold, and you embrace that promise, that, God, that word that God has sent to you, because he knows that if we'll just obey, and that's what God's looking for is obedience, on the other side of that sheet, on the other side of that curtain there, is a new body. It's a wedding supper. It's a kingdom. That will never pass away. A kingdom that will never fail. You need to say in your heart, I choose to believe. I, uh, Lord, Lord, send your word. Make it real to me, Lord. Show me your word. Show me it's you. And Lord, by faith, I'll trust in that. By faith, I'll walk in that. Amen. And even though Joe couldn't see what laid ahead of him here, God is sending him a word that brings him another step and another step and another step and another step. And you know what? All the time he's walking towards the goal, that sheet is moving back. It's moving back all the time until that sheet drops away and he just steps into eternity and it's another step in the process. Let's stand to our feet. Oh, I'll tell you what. I think we should be a rejoicing people. I think we should be happy because God has made these things known to us and God has revealed things to us and, and showed us things in, uh, in, his, in his pathway. And like I said, obedience is what God wants. Obedience. And, and when we obey God's word, watch him fulfill it. Ah, oh, you know what? Our, our trust increases. Our confidence increases. Many times you may be sitting there saying, Lord, give me the faith, give me the faith, give me the faith. And all the time, God is trying to build your trust. He's trying to build your trust. Because I will tell you something. David went out on that field by faith, but he also went out there trusting God. The same God who helped me with the bear. The same God who helped me with the line. same God who helped me with all the other obstacles I faced in life. Anybody out there this morning? I believe that David went out there with a faith in God that God was going to bring it to pass. But I believe that David also had an inbred trust in God because he had seen God do it over and over again. He had seen God help him. He had seen God do the miraculous. And he, he had this quiet trust in God. And as a result, he could run out onto the field and say, this day, I'm going to cut your head off. I'll never forget that scene of Isaac standing there looking up at me and saying, imagine looking up at me and saying, today I'm going to cut your head off. And this congregation will know we serve a God we can trust. We serve a God we can have faith in. And whatever God says, 
David's not out there believing in his, in his physical power. David's out there believing that a prophet anointed him to be the next king of Israel. So he has no fear of death. Because if he dies at the hand of Goliath, God's got to raise him up. Because God's words don't fail. And he's anointed to be the next king of Israel. So he's confident that, hey, Goliath, you are, you are no threat to me. Because God has made a promise over me. And one day I will stand as the king of Israel. And nothing you do, your size, your voice, your, your, your uh, uh, stature, none of that scares me. None of that intimidates me because my God is bigger than you. And he made a promise that I'm going to be the next king of Israel. So if I go down in battle today, God's going to raise me up. He's not only the God of the living, he's the God of the dead. He's a God who resurrects his people. Do you believe that? He's a God who raises the the dead. He's a God who never lets one of his words fall. He never lets his promises fail. Hey, folks, do you understand what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to get you to be able to say amen to everything I've said today and believe that, hey, I, I, I believe that. He's a God I can trust. He's a God I can have confidence in. He's a God I can put my faith in. And he's a God who has shown me over and over that he's never, he's never failed. He's always faithful. His word is always true. And whatever God says, I can count on that. I can be disappointed in the promises of man, but I cannot be disappointed when God says it. I believe it's going to happen. And I want you to have that. I want you to be, I want you to be uh, you know, expressing your, your, your rejoicing even before it happens. I'm bringing my shoes. I'm bringing my shoes. Because I believe God's going to fill them today. I believe God's going to do something and I'm going I'm to see God uh, f- fix my feet. I'm going to see God fix my legs. I'm going to see God heal me. And I'm going to step right into those shoes here. Don't come with no shoes. Come with shoes. In other words, come believing that uh, God's going to do it. And God's going to, uh, you know, you may have uh, financial troubles or whatever else. You may have, uh, you know, I think of Brother Joe Pascal up there. And uh, he's got, uh, you know, a situation there. Hey, listen, Joe, I'd say this to you on camera. Bring your shoes to the operation. Bring your shoes there. I believe God's going to do that. We believe that today. And he's going to walk out of there. Glory to God. Don't just say, well, God, if you're able. Don't say that because God is able, number one. And you've got your part to say, hey, I'm rejoicing already. God's going to do it. And I'm making a preparation for that. I'm building a house for the baby I haven't had yet. I'm building an extra room on my house for the baby we've not had yet. I'm preparing. I'm believing. It's like Abraham and Sarah going to Babies or Us. And they're going down there getting supplies for a baby that doesn't exist. But you know what? They trust in God, Brother John. They trust in God. And they're, they're in that, you know, that shopping cart that has the motorized back part and it's got the part on the front. And they're just zipping around, Babies or Us. And they're putting things in there. And people saying, oh, what love. And they're saying, hey, sister, no, ain't no way. This is for us. This is for me and my wife. She's in the other motorized wheelchair over here. Yes, sir. Here we go. You know what they're doing? They're giving God a room to perform the miracle. They're giving God a place to do something. In your heart, you got to bring your shoes. In your heart, you got to bring your motorized wheelchair. In your heart, you got to say, God, I'm ready. I've, I've made preparations. I believe it. I'll tell you what. You fellas, you young people that are praying, God, I'll never get married. You need to be praying. I, I need to be getting myself ready. Not on the outside. I don't need to get Bride Magazine. I need to get myself ready. I want to be ready. I want to save my, my money. I want to get out of debt. And I want to uh, be the right kind of person that some boy or some girl will come along and want to marry. Yes, sir. That's what I am. In other words, when you, when you begin 
to practice that, you are actually saying, I trust in God to bring his promise to pass. Brother Ram said, get filled with the Holy Ghost and he'll lead you to the right one. Not saying that you that are single are not filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm just saying... Excuse me, Brother Branham said that, you know, we, we, we're, we're just, we're just going to trust in God. But we're not going to put our energies into finding something that we don't even know what he looks like. We don't even know what she looks like. God does. You know why? Because she's on the other side of the curtain. He's on the other side of the curtain. But on this side, God's sending me a word to prepare me to make me a better young man and a better young woman. Take that word. Accept that word. Keep walking on and watch God will bring you to that step. I'll bring you to that step. Rebecca, you'll come to church again, right? <clears throat> we choose the fear of the here because I know God's got a way already prepared for me. That's what predestination is all about. So we should rejoice. We should give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Let's sing that this morning here. Are you ready to worship?
remember now, worshiping is the rain that falls on the seed that I just planted. Yeah. So now, now is your part. Now it's for you to lift your hands and say, Lord, let your Holy Spirit fall. Let your Holy Spirit water that seed. Yes. Let your Holy Spirit fertilize the ground that I'm, I'm standing on here today. Let's sing it together now. Give, Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy Lord. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ, His Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy Lord. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ. His Son And now Let the weak say I am strong Let the poor say I am rich Because of what The Lord has done For us
Hey, when we pray, we should pray with trust in God. We should pray in, with faith in his promises. We should pray that I can begin to rejoice even before God touches my body. Even before I see something. When we're, when we're sons of God, led by the Spirit of God, God's leading you according to his promise. You know what you should do? You should begin to give thanks even before God answers your prayer. Even before God answers your prayer, before God changes how you feel, you should be thanking God. That's what David said. Cry aloud. Rejoice. Trust in him. Let's sing it this morning. Thank you, Thank you for the cross. Lord. Close your eyes. Let's just say it. Thank you, Thank you Lord, for the you price you paid. all my sin and shame. Yeah.
sing that like an angelic choir. I'm not kidding you. You just have no idea how beautiful that sounds here. How, from my perspective here, how that sounds. And my perspective really matters little. Imagine how God must delight in the praises of these people. People are singing out of their heart because they believe the word. I mean, this is something Brother Branham never got to enjoy much of. Because he didn't preach to believing congregations of believers. He preached to people that came to see miracles. And, and they came to debate him. And they came to wonder about this and that. But imagine how God must look out. And he sees after all this time. And now he sees a, a group of people that can take sermon and believe with all their heart. And say yes and amen. And then sing with joy. Sing with, with passion. And sing with their hands raised and their eyes closed. And giving God glory. That's where it belongs. Let me tell you something. I must delight him. Bible says it does. And I think we should sing again. If you have need of prayer today, I'd be glad to pray with you. Jaron, I want you to sing. I want you to just to keep singing until you don't want to sing anymore, all right? Just go ahead and sing. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. There no my sin and shame. In love you came, gave amazing grace. Oh, thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the pierced hand. Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know. Now with any crowd.
you going to do it, Lord? Doesn't enter into the question. Doesn't enter into the conversation. The questions about how God's doing, going to do it. The questions about when God's going to do it. The questions about, uh, you know, all the other details. It's not in the conversation. Abraham just believed God. And God, he imputed it unto him for righteousness. He imputed it unto him. He put deposits in Abraham's account just because he believed God's word. And you know what? I believe that's what God wants us to be, to have faith in him, to have trust in him. And and I believe that faith and trust are not things far apart. They're not separate entities. They go together because you will have, you'll more easily have faith in someone you trust than someone you don't trust. And I believe that's what God's building in our hearts. And I believe that's what God's building, uh, you know, over the last years, he's been building that in our hearts. And I'm thankful for that. I, I just I, I feel good about uh, knowing, rehearsing those promises and knowing those promises. I, I, I just I, I, f- I feel like that's, that's what God is, is opening up to us as we go because he wants to, to me, he, he's sending a word that gets us to where we need to be. He doesn't always tell us what's going to be or how it's going to happen. He sends us a word that moves us, and it moves us up the road. Aren't you glad you came to church today? I'm glad I came to church today. I'm glad that we're gathered together in his presence today. Well, let's sing a little little chorus here. Let's sing a little chorus here this morning, and then we're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to close and and let you go. Come back this afternoon at 4. For those of you that are going to be with us, take away where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my God.
to you, Lord, is to continue to send your word. Send the word that moves us farther up this road. Send the word that, Lord, we need to believe in order to get to the next point. Increase our faith. Increase our trust. Lord, may we rest in your promises because, Lord, even though we're blocked off from how and when and where it's going to take place, Lord, it doesn't matter because we believe the promise giver. We believe and have trust in the trusted one who has spoken it. And Lord Jesus, I I believe, Lord, that we are a people not guided by our senses, but we are guided by that sixth sense, which is the sense of faith. And Lord, I believe the bride has a special gift of, of, Lord, that sense in our heart that your word is true. And that's what we need to rest our faith in. Father, I pray you just continue to build that faith in our hearts, O God. Lord, we we have those among us, Lord, that are are needing your help and your touch, Lord. We think of Sister Laura today. We think of Brother Johnny, oh God. And Father, that would not be our choice, Lord, but somehow or another in your way, Lord, that you you let that uh, surgery, Lord, be pushed out a little bit further. And Lord, somehow or another, we believe you have a purpose in that. Lord Jesus, we're going to continue to pray for him, Lord, and Believe that you have touched him many times. And now once more, Lord, I pray, we commit him into your hands, Lord. We thank you, Brother Joe, and Lord, the many, many other requests that have been brought to you today. And Father, we we ask that you would just draw near to them. And Lord, help those people that are looking to you today. Oh, Lord Jesus, our hearts are filled. And Lord, our our mouths are full of songs and rejoicing. and, And Lord Jesus, how blessed we are. Lord, we think of Sister Ellen Parks today. And Lord, may you just draw near to her and give her that touch she needs. We love you, Lord. We love you with all of our heart. We thank you, Lord, for your ways. Your ways are higher than our ways. But we trust in them. Have your way now, we pray, Lord, in the furtherance of this day, in our fellowship, in our service this evening, Lord. We commit it all into your hands now. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would Be gracious and meet with us again. We love you. In Jesus' lovely name, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Sing it as you go this morning. Let my heart be changed. All of our young people. We'll see you here after. Flowing from the grace that I found. The power of your love Hold me close Let your love surround 
can draw me to your side. And as I wait, I'll rise up like the eagle, and I will soar with you. Your spirit leads me on in the power of your knowledge of your love as you 